Welcome to Spotlight, the Allison H. Larson Show. If you're ready for inspiration and tips to improve your life, hear what some of the fascinating minds of today have to say. Our hope is that you'll live your passion and inspire the world. And now, here is your host, Allison H. Larson. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Spotlight. I'm really excited uh, for our show today. You know, I think I say that on every show, which is good because I pick the guests that be on my show, so I better be excited about them. Uh, today's guests I met a while ago and was just really impressed with them. I've been able to have some really great heart-to-heart conversations uh, with uh, Orna. And uh, today we have Orna and Matthew Walters, and uh, they are going to be talking to us today about relationships. And this is something that's really important in life as we we all know. And Matthew and Orna, are you there? <laughs> Hi, Allison. We're so excited to be here with you today. Great. Well, good to have you. So something I do at the beginning of all of my shows, if you've watched, you know, and you won't be surprised. Uh, if you haven't, then you'll have to, to think on the fly here. But I always have my guests introduce themselves um, and brag about themselves. I feel like in today's society, bragging's not really acceptable. But on this show, I want to give you permission to brag about yourself, your accomplishments, and to tell us a little bit about what you've been doing. Wow. Permission to brag. I don't know. I got to find some bragging boots. Um, <laughs> <laughs> take them for a walk. Yeah. Thank you, Allison. Um, I uh, really pride myself on um, graduating from UCLA with honors. I paid my way through school. It was really important for me to, to be a graduate from a university. Mm-hmm. And I did pick a career in the entertainment industry. So for over two decades, I worked in the film industry, working with some of the biggest producers in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And I learned a lot. Um, most of the um, people I worked for had an amazing work ethic. And um, I took uh, my early journey in the film industry um, really to craft story. And story is something that is really dear to my heart. Mm -hmm. Because when you think about something like the hero's journey, that's a story. It's a story format. And we are all living here on the journey of life. So while I was an entertainment uh, business executive, I learned the science of hand analysis, which is non-predictive scientific palmistry. And I started reading hands in the 90s. I've read tens of thousands of hands. This is scientific and non-predictive, but there's cool things you can find out in the hands. The lines of the palm are a map of your major neural pathways, characteristics and behavior in the palm, and your soul's journey is in the fingerprints. And that's really where the story of somebody's life is, where we can identify through fingerprints your life purpose, the arenas you're gifted in, why you're here, and also those life lesson arenas, those challenge arenas, those blind spot arenas. When I got quiet and I would sit with myself and ask, what do I really want in life? The answer that would always come is love. And even though I had an amazing career in the film business, I realized that I needed to change the trajectory of my life so that I could really bring in a beloved soulmate and share my life with somebody. I always had tumultuous relationships. I actually grew up in a home with a lot of abuse, physical abuse and emotional abuse. And on New Year's Eve of 1994, I had the wake-up call of a lifetime. The boyfriend that I was living with, who I thought was the one, I thought he was the guy, um, he beat me. And I know there's no way I'd be doing this work at creating Love on Purpose with Matthew if I hadn't had that experience. Mm. And even though the physical wounds healed rather quickly, it really tortured me emotionally because I kept wondering, well, I know I'm smart. Like, how did this happen? How did I pick this person? And so much of the work that Matthew and I do look at patterns 
from childhood so we can identify what is familiar because that's what I recognized. I picked him because that kind of abuse was familiar to my subconscious mind. And now, over a decade of doing this work with my amazing husband, I love um, really helping people get out of their own way in what they learn love is in their family of origin so they can actually create the love they want. And I just love every day I get to spend with this amazing man who's sitting next to me, and I'm going to let him brag about himself now. (laughs) Wow, I I don't know how I can follow that. I mean, Orna, you are always such an impressive person to me, so... One of the reasons I love you so much. Um, I, too, worked in entertainment. I, too, had a lot of success. I was one of the top casting directors in voiceover in San Francisco. Um, I worked for the William Moore Agency, uh, you know, a lot of places. And through that success, what I discovered was I wasn't really happy. I was getting a lot of what I wanted from life, but I wasn't, I didn't like my life. Mm -hmm. And so I woke up in my early 30s. And I started looking for what's going on, right? I'm getting the things I think I want, and yet it's not bringing me the happiness that I desire. And that's when I began to realize that happiness doesn't come from those external successes, right? Happiness comes from inside. So I started a journey of discovering how to do that. And I discovered yoga and meditation, and and more importantly, I discovered hypnosis and hypnotherapy and really transformed my own life and found the source for happiness for myself and like Orna, you know, realized, oh, I want to share this, right? I want to share this happiness with someone and, and, and I want a relationship because I too struggled in love. And I didn't have the crazy chaos in my childhood that Orna had. I grew up in the Midwest, you know, big Catholic family of five. Mm -hmm. I was the youngest and, and yet, you know, love was never easy for me. It felt like rejection, and that was part of the dynamic in my family, right? They they loved by making fun of you, by teasing you, and Mm -hmm. and as a child, I I thought there was something wrong with me, and that belief carried through into my relationships, and so I would always be suspect of anybody who really liked me, right, because it didn't match the energy inside of me, Mm -hmm. and so I would reject people who liked me, and I would chase rejection, and it wasn't until I began to discover that pattern and do the work of healing it, that I was really open to having love in my life and having an amazing relationship like the one I have with my wife. And, um, you know, when we came together, we, through a whole series of sort of accidents, decided to start working together. And, you know, a lot of people ask us, right, who did we study with to create this work? And, and the truth is we created this work. We created a unique protocol for helping people create love in their lives, a unique protocol for helping people identify the true subconscious blocks that have been getting in their way and to do the work of transforming it. There, there isn't anyone else out there doing the work that we do and helping people find love. Hmm. Well, I really appreciate the work that you're doing and the story that you're sharing. I think there's some definitely some golden nuggets in that. Uh, before I, I point some of those out, and I want to kind of go a little bit deeper into your journey, because it's my belief there's two ways we can learn from counsel or consequence. And uh, obviously, you two have done some work and have some counseling that you can hopefully uh, give us or counsel that you can give us. But here's a question for you. You've accomplished some pretty amazing things in your lives individually. What have been some of your greatest accomplishments since you've been working together? 
Um, our greatest accomplishments, I think, working together, I'll throw a couple things together. I'll have Matthew um, chime in as well. Um, I think, actually, um, the proof is in the pudding. There's nothing more fulfilling than getting an email uh, or in a coaching session with somebody who is telling us that they're now exclusive with somebody, that they're engaged to be a guest at a client's wedding. To me, those are the biggest accomplishments. We still are in touch with all of the private clients we've had from over a decade um, of doing this work, and we still get anniversary notifications when people celebrate an anniversary or a child's birth Mm -hmm. or a child's birthday. To me, those are the biggest accomplishments, Mm -hmm. the real change in somebody's life, somebody who was feeling lonely, feeling that love was impossible, feeling that love was elusive, Mm -hmm. feeling they were broken somehow, and to create change in a person's life where they're actually living the love that they used to crave and dream about. To me, that's the biggest accomplishment I could ever tout and <laughs> share with you. Oh, I love that. I wasn't even going to go that way. I was going to think more of business accomplishments. I mean, when we first started, we, we hosted one of the very first um, telesummits on love, dating, sex, and relationship. We very early on before anybody really knew what telesummits were, we were hosting the Love on Purpose Revolution and, and bringing people like John Gray and Marcy Shymoff and, wow. and uh, Ariel Ford and, and Dr. Pat, Dr. Allen. Pat Allen you know, to audiences all over the world. And, and we, we built a, a worldwide following doing that event. And, and um, we've been spreading our message of love you know, over five continents for the last you know, nine years. Um, and, you know, we're, we're looking at expanding it even further. Like Orna said, you know, we, we've been keeping in touch with our private clients over the last 10 years. Well, we realize there's only so many hours in the day, and we're in the process of training Love on Purpose coaches because we want to spread love one person at a time, one family at a time, one community at a time all around the world because we realize that's what brings peace and happiness and prosperity into our lives. Absolutely. Well, I love that. And I love how you complimented each other. You know, Orna, you were talking about the individual clients and accomplishments and Matthew jumped in with the uh, some of the business accomplishments. So I think that's great. I want to go back a little bit here to your story. Obviously, you're relationship experts, you've been able to help thousands of people worldwide to be able to find the relationships that really help them. Uh, But something that was interesting to me that both of you mentioned when you were talking about your journey was that you had components of your childhood that uh, because of those stories that you took from when you were growing up sabotaged your relationships. And so I, I want to know, is this something that's common for people? Do people often have relationship problems because of the things that they learned or the way that they were raised when they were younger? Well, it is actually the single source of all of those struggles that we have. Um, I mean, Allison, you have children, right? You know, when, when they came into the world, when you were holding that newborn baby, they didn't have any beliefs about love, right? They didn't have any blocks to love. They shared love freely. They received love freely. And we believe that that's our true nature as human beings, right? We come in as the physical embodiment of the energy of love. And yet we're raised in this flawed human system, Mm-hmm. Right, and most of us are struggling to reconcile what we know love is on an instinctual level that it's this infinite force that is available to everyone and and how it's being expressed in our family of origin 
And through that disconnect, that little child, we call it a decision, right? It's not like that child is actually sits down and goes, hmm, what's going on here? <laughs> but we believe that we make decisions about ourselves in mm-hmm. that environment. And in making that decision, that that creates the seed for our struggles in love. Yeah. So another way of saying that is there are events of our past, right? If we look at the events of our childhood, those are the plot points that cannot be changed. The events that occurred are, in fact, the events that occurred, right? Mm -hmm. There's no reverse in this life. So those things are set. However, every event that occurs, we as a human being create meaning from the event. And so our memories, to some degree, are malleable because we can assign new meaning to an event. Because a child under the age of, say, eight, right, from zero when we're born and pop out of the womb all the way to about age eight, everything is written on the hard drive, in a sense, the subconscious Mm -hmm. mind. And that's why children don't learn, you know, reasoning skills or or really um, anything beyond a memorization repetition until after the age of eight in school. It's because the mind hasn't developed to the point of being able to reason, right? We all know this Mm -hmm. saying, right, you can't reason with a four-year-old. You've heard that, Allison, right? Of course, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's a truth. You cannot reason with a four-year-old. They don't have the capacity to reason. So that little child, in a sense, in that family, takes full responsibility for everything that's going on. As a little child, we can't say, gee, mom, this is really bad parenting, or Mm -hmm. gee, dad, what I really need from you is for you to give me a hug and tell me you love me. Right, And so we don't have the capacity to see those people that is the source of everything for us as, as someone that we can reason with. We take full responsibility as that child. We say, what is wrong with me that my parent is behaving this way? What is wrong with me that my parent isn't even present? Right? What is wrong with me that I only have one parent? What is wrong with me that I'm... I'm going to school with my grandma, but all my other friends I see with a mommy and a daddy, Mm -hmm. right? Or whatever, whatever the situation is. So whether a parent is present or not present, they're still playing a role in this decision-making process, the meaning that we as children assign. So we learn in a sense, um, you know, Matthew and I like to refer to it as your GPS for love, right? We all know if you're driving somewhere and you plug in the wrong address, let's say you invert a couple numbers on the address to where you want to go, you're not going to get to your destination. And you can either end up a few blocks away or you can end up hundreds of thousands of miles away. Although you'd probably pick it up if you're driving, you know, if you're, you expect to go a mile and suddenly it's like, that's going to take you 10 hours to drive. They're like, oh, I did something wrong, right? We'll catch it. But the thing is, when it's in our subconscious like that, we don't catch it because we have no way of knowing where we are in relation to where we want to go. And so we have this GPS setting for what love is that's locked in the subconscious mind. And anything that doesn't match that, we reject and we attract what is familiar from our family of origin. Yeah, but that's very interesting. Well, you know, I think that's true, and I've seen that in my own life and even the life of my children. Uh, so I, I'm glad to hear there's still hope. I think that as parents, you know, we do the best that we can, but you're right. We do, as children, we pick up certain stories and, and certain things uh, from our parents, whether we meant to or not. And I think every parent's trying to do the best that they can, uh, but there are just certain things that, that we identify. And what's interesting to me is that there can be different 
children in the same family and they get completely different messages or they interpret things completely different. So I like that you're saying, hey, this is up to you to go back and rewrite that story to figure out what's going on and to change uh, whatever's been happening. Um, I really think this has been fascinating so far. I appreciate both of you sharing uh, your stories. And I think my real golden nugget from this segment is that our relationship issues are not going to change until we are willing to do some self-work and until we are willing to rewrite stories. I think so often it's just natural to blame our partner for something that's going on or, you know, Orna, like you were saying, hey, I'm really smart. What's <laughs> why, why am I attracting these people that are treating me this way? What's going on? What's wrong with me? The same thing that you did when you were a child, uh, but you were able to go back and, and say, there's some things in my life that I'm doing to attract these people. What can I change? I am looking forward to hearing from both of you after this uh, short break uh, about some action steps, some tips that I can do, that everybody listening can do to really move forward uh, to that next level in their relationship, whether they're already in a relationship, whether they're wanting to be in a relationship. I, I think that's you know, a huge misconception as well as once you find that person that's the one that your work's over, it's done, your relationship's going to be perfect. So we're going to take a brief break. If you're listening now, this would be a great time to grab a pen, a piece of paper uh, to get out your notebook so you can take some notes because when we come back, we're going to have world-renowned relationship experts, Matt and Orna, giving us some action steps, some items that you can do to implement in your life to move your relationships forward. I'm Allison H. Larson. You're listening to Spotlight, and we'll be right back. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. Listen for In the Limelight with Clarissa Burt, international media celebrity, supermodel, and renowned beauty and lifestyle expert, as well as founder and CEO of Envelop Her, multimedia platform for women, and sought-after inspirational speaker on women's issues. You'll connect with Clarissa's super influencer celebrity friends and experts as they speak about health, wealth, beauty, lifestyle, business, the love of giving, and the love of living a model life. Tune in every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. It's time to unlock some of the best-kept secrets in health, wealth, and happiness. Are you ready to live your life to the fullest and hear insider tips from today's experts? Then tune in to The Forbes Factor with celebrity TV host and inspirational icon, Forbes Riley. She's a best-selling author and TV fitness expert, and you know her from QVC and HSN. Now she brings her expert advice and guests to the Voice America Influencers Channel. Tune in live every Wednesday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time for The Forbes Factor. We guarantee Guarantee it will be the best hour of your week. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. 
Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Are you ready for provocative discussions with some of today's most powerful movers and shakers? Tune in to The Art of Significance, featuring Dan Clark, the modern-day Napoleon Hill, who interviews the wealthiest, most successful celebrities and business leaders on the planet who are using their influence to change the world. From authors to entertainers, sports figures, educators to military leaders, Dan covers multiple topics. Tune in every Monday at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Change starts here. Change starts now. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. You're tuned in to Spotlight, the Allison H. Larson Show. To find out more about Allison and our program, please visit soulintuition.com. Again, that's soulintuition.com. Now back to Spotlight. Here is Allison H. Larson. Welcome back to Spotlight. I'm almost done with the mint in my mouth, so uh, put a little mint in there on break, so I'm sorry if you hear a little bit of a, a mint sound in the background. Uh, really glad to have joining us today relationship experts Matthew and Orna Walters coming to us from their office in Santa Monica. These two are world-renowned relationship experts, and I got a lot out of segment one. Um, my, my main takeaway we, we spoke about, if you're just joining us, We spoke about how your childhood affects your relationships today, how the story that you got in your childhood can determine your destiny with your relationships. And if you don't like where that's going, go back, figure out why, and rewrite that story. Uh, I really, really like that part. Matthew and Orna, I I want you to give us some tips that we can really write down and use to better our relationships. But before we do that, why are relationships so important? There are so many independent people in the world today. Aren't we just better off being independent by ourselves and doing our own thing, and then we don't have to worry about pleasing someone else? Uh, why are relationships important? Well, um, I think, uh, you know, trying to please someone else is a lose-lose. We like a win-win proposition, <laughs> and so... Um, I think, you know, one of the things that Matthew and I really believe is that we're meant to be in partnership because we're meant to be in community. And a lot of talk in our society today is almost a fear of being in community. It's almost like everybody is codependent, right? There's Mm -hmm. this fear of being codependent. And codependence Mm -hmm. is not good and not healthy. But we are meant to be in communities and to be interdependent. Mm -hmm. And there's a Swedish proverb that really sums up very succinctly why we are meant to be in partnership. And so I'll tell you what that Swedish proverb is. It's something that I've really held close to my heart over several decades. And it goes like this. Shared joy is double joy. Shared sorrow is half sorrow. Oh, wow. So the that fact simple, of the matter is, is whether you're coupled bump. off or whether you're single, you're going to have challenges. You're going to have curveballs. You're also going to have joy and the opportunity to really celebrate things. But when you celebrate with another, when you are together in partnership, in a true soul partnership, your joy is in fact doubled because you get to share it Mm -hmm. with this amazing person that you're choosing every day and that they're also choosing you. And you know you can count on as sure as the sun will rise tomorrow. And when those curveballs come and those challenges come, you know you have someone that has your back. And you know that you're going to have those 
sorrows that come your way mm-hmm. because I, they're shared. I love what you're saying, and I want to I want to focus on something here for a minute. This is something I learned a long time ago, and it's a codependent versus an interdependent relationship. And this was something that it took me a while to figure out what it meant to be codependent versus independent. What are some signs that you're in a codependent relationship? And what are some signs that you're in a better interdependent relationship? How do you know if that relationship is really building you up? Or if that person, you know, you're depending on each other, you feel like you can't be independent without each other. What are the signs of a codependent relationship? Well, in a, in a codependent relationship, there's a dynamic where there's two distinct personalities in the relationship. And it goes like this. There's a hero and there's a zero, mm, right? And in a codependent relationship, the hero, their needs, their emotions, their wants, their desires are all important. And the zero in the relationship is spending all of their time going into sacrifice, trying to please and in some way take control of or help out, right, the hero. And so if you find that your happiness is dependent upon your partner's mood, Ooh. right, there may be some codependent tendencies. If you find that you take responsibility for other people's emotional reactions, there may be some codependent things going on. Whereas an interdependent, it's, it's really about supporting each other. It's about wanting happiness for your partner, but realizing you're not the source of their happiness, right? That the source of your job is to make yourself happy. Your job is to keep yourself in a, in a positive state and let your partner take responsibility for their own happiness. Well, in, in obviously, and obviously, you're and going to... Their, um, and also their own behavior. I just have to throw that yeah. in, too, yeah. right? Well, because when you're in a codependent mm-hmm. relationship, it's like you're trying to control somebody's behavior. And you're not even responsible for somebody's behavior, right? We're only responsible for what we think, what we feel, and what we do. And spending time trying to do that with somebody else is like looking out the window, seeing it's raining, and trying to get the rain to stop and the clouds to part and the sun to come out. It's just a waste of energy. So when you feel, so let me just clarify this. If I'm in a relationship and I feel like if that person's happy or not happy, it's my fault, then that's a sign that that may be a codependent relationship. Whereas an interdependent relationship, obviously, if your partner's happy, you're going to be happy for them. And you want your partner to be happy, but you don't feel like their happiness is your fault or your responsibility, or or even you, you don't take credit for when they're happy. I mean, they're happy and you're glad that they're happy and you can share happiness together, but their happiness isn't dependent on what you're doing. Is that what I'm hearing from you? Yes, you repeated it back perfectly. And another way to think about the codependent versus a healthy interdependent relationship is when we look at, you know, like the Hollywood movie romance, you know, sort of what Matthew and I call the Jerry Maguire myth. Remember that movie with (laughs) Tom Cruise, right? Where he he says to uh, Renee Zellweger's character, you know, you complete me. And I mean, honestly, even at the time that that movie was in the movie theater, I went, ew, yuck. (laughs) You know, because the bad math of the Hollywood movie is one plus one equals one. Mm -hmm. And that is a codependent relationship, right? Nobody completes you. And so our bad math of a healthy interdependent relationship goes like this. One plus one equals three. 
Mm. Right? Because when a whole and complete person comes together with another whole and complete person, they create a third entity, the relationship. And so mm. both people get to take, you know, withdrawals and make deposits into that third entity of the relationship that they come together as two independent people to create this thing together that they both benefit from and they both contribute to. And so if it's feeling like a one-way street, like you're doing all the giving and doing and the other person is doing all the taking, that's also a sign that something is off balance. So here's you know, a question. Oh, sorry. Go if, ahead, if Matthew. If I could, Allison, I want to mm-hmm. back this up with a little science, if you don't mind. Ooh, I like science. Because I, I think it's, it's great to talk about love in this way. We talk about Hollywood movies and myths and songs and all that. But let's look at what science has to say about it. So the longest longitudinal study where they studied uh, white males who, who at the time were sophomores at Harvard University in the 1920s. They studied them for 70 years, Mm -hmm. right? And over that 70-year time period, they looked at all the different factors that made them successful or not successful in life, not just in business, not just in their careers, but in life. And the single most important determining factor in these men's success was their ability to create and maintain intimate relationship. Wow. Their ability to create and maintain intimate relationships. So it was the so EQ. The skills required to create a, a, a lasting intimate relationship are also the skills you need to succeed in life. Yeah, that's really interesting. And I've heard that before, you know, uh, in the past, we've put a lot of emphasis as a society on IQ, but recently, a lot of studies have shown that it's actually people with EQ, the ability to understand, have compassion with other people, get along with them and add value to their life that determines whether someone feels like they're successful and happy in life. So very, very interesting. I think that's just fascinating. So so tell me, what if, you know, what if somebody out there listening is listening to you and they're like, oh, crap, I'm in a codependent relationship. Is all hope lost? Do they need to abandon that relationship and start over? Uh, Can that relationship be salvaged? What do you do when you have that wake-up call, when you realize you are in an unhealthy relationship? Um, I'm really glad you asked that. I mean, we don't work with people in partnership, and so I don't really feel that that's necessarily the place for us to be in judgment of whether somebody should stay or go in a relationship. Instead, what I would like somebody to do, if you're in a relationship right now that you think might be unbalanced or unhealthy or codependent in some way, the only thing that you can do is look at keeping, setting and keeping boundaries. Right? So Mm -hmm. you want to look at yourself, your own behavior. Look at where you're taking too much responsibility. Look at are you feeling responsible for your partner's whim of mood? Right? Are you taking responsibility for when you express yourself and share how you feel authentically and the person doesn't, you know, your partner doesn't have a a great reaction? Are you taking responsibility to their response to Mm, your authentic expression? Right. So instead of evaluating the relationship, I would ask this person to evaluate their own thinking, feeling, doing before they decide the relationship is doomed or not doomed. Look at it as an independent source. And Matthew and I always say to our clients, notice what's going on like a detective without judgment. Hmm. You know, back in the 
I don't remember when the Dragnet TV series on the 60s, I think, right? And the detective of the show would say, just the facts, ma'am, right? It's like, look at it from that perspective. What's really going on here? What is my behavior? What's going on with me? Am I taking responsibility for things I don't and shouldn't be taking responsibility for? And again, if you're wondering what's on your side of the street, it's what you think, what you feel, and what you do. You are 100% in charge of that. And I would say, you know, we talked about practical tips. So here's a perfect practical tip to evaluate the dynamics of your relationship, which is to start creating a mood calendar, right? And in this mood calendar, what you're going to do is you're going to, you're going to basically, at the end of the day, you're going to just journal about what happened in the day, and then you're going to journal about your feelings, right? And then maybe you're going to give it a color, Say if it was a great day, maybe it's a red day, right? And if it's if it's a really sad day, it's a green day, or if it's a, you know. Actually, if you have a smartphone, a good friend of ours has a great app that lets you do this. If you want to evaluate the health of your relationship and your inner relationship, download the app, the Boyfriend Log. The Boyfriend Log. <laughs> Thanks for reminding me. I forgot about that. Created by our dear friend Linda Sievertson, and it's a great app. And it's literally a calendar. You get to track your mood. You get to track all kinds of things, and you get to see. You know, are you living in the blue in the sad part of life or is your relationship bringing you more joy? Like what's really happening? And you know what? For women, I will say this. It's actually quite important if you've ever tracked your periods, your menstrual cycle, there's always a mood that goes along in there. I know some ladies who in relationship started tracking through the boyfriend log and realized their relationship was also following their monthly cycle. And so sometimes we get to discover things about ourselves when we track and know and just look without judgment. Again, just know what is, what's true for you, what's going on with you. From that place of no judgment, you can evaluate what's really going on and see it in a way where then you can decide Mm -hmm. not from an emotional place about what you want to change for yourself. Yeah, that's very interesting. So there are a couple of things that I want to touch on in there. And I love that practical tip about just checking your mood, because really isn't the point of a relationship to find, you know, greater happiness together, greater support together. If that's not happening, the awareness of that will instigate change. One of the things that you brought up that was interesting, and I want to ask you about, so just because of the stories that I got growing up, and again, I'm not blaming my parents or my friends or my relatives or anybody around me, but what ended up happening for me as a child, I a lot of the times felt like my opinion was was wrong or somebody else was more right than I was. <laughs> I grew up, you know, with uh, some very dominant people in my life. And so kind of the story I got was, hey, you know, when you are expressing something or when you're saying something, uh, you might be wrong. And so what I learned to do was just to listen to other people and not express myself. And that is something that has caused me grief throughout my life and something that I've learned about myself. What if you have trouble expressing yourself? Something you talked about was, hey, let's make sure that we're having healthy conversations. Let's make sure that we're sharing things. What would you say to somebody like me who feels like uh, they have trouble expressing their emotions and how they feel because they haven't felt validated in their life? 
I, I'm going to answer that, but I'm going to answer a different question that, that you're asking in there, Allison, because I think it's a more important question. Because what you're describing, we hear a lot in the conversations we have with the women that we work with, which is that their feelings, and it happens to men too as children, their feelings are discounted. Mm-hmm. Right, their feelings is like no, you shouldn't be upset. You're not upset. Don't be upset. Right? Yeah. Whatever the things are that our parents are telling us over and over again, basically what we're learning is we're learning not to trust our own emotional guidance system. Mm-hmm. And when we learn not to trust our own emotional guidance system, we then tend to look outside of us for validation. Correct. Right. Well, uh-huh. I think this may be what's going on, but what do all of you people think? Because so, I can't trust my own feelings. <laughs> right. Maybe because it comes you were out told of that over trust. and over and over again that yeah. your feelings were not your feelings. Oh, or you your hit feelings it right on the head. Were wrong or bad or in some way, you didn't know, count. didn't count. Were a mm-hmm. problem. And so, it's really about starting there and starting to realize that your emotional guidance system is always correct. I'm going to say that again. Your emotional guidance system is always correct. You have to learn to trust what's going on inside of you. You have to learn to trust your own feelings. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I'm going to just, you know, elaborate on that, I think, a little bit more because I think oftentimes when we're smart, we start to analyze our feelings. And we start to go, well, why am I feeling this? Or what's going on? You know, like we, we start to, to question our own emotional validity. And so what we want to say is your emotions are always appropriate. And so that's wow. another way of saying the same thing Matthew just said. Your emotions are always appropriate. Wow. And so the why question funny. takes you out of your power. Mm-hmm. If you're questioning your actual emotion, then you're actually stuck in what Matthew and I call blender brain because your brain is linear, it's binary, this big prefrontal cortex is what we're talking about, right? That thing that allows us to evaluate and judge and analyze. And when that is overdeveloped, when our intellect is overdeveloped and our EGS, our emotional guidance system, is underdeveloped, that is actually the kind of person who's an ideal client for us. Because instead of thinking that you need to dumb yourself down, right, never, we're not going to ask you to lose any of that intellect. Instead, we're going to raise your awareness and give you the skill set to manage your EGS, your emotional guidance system, so that these two parts of you come into harmony and alignment, and they're not fighting each other. So you don't have this internal struggle anymore around your own emotions. Wow. So the thing about people is we don't like to feel what Matthew and I call negative emotion, right? It's like we call it pretzel twisting. We'll try to twist mm-hmm. into whatever kind of shape we try to take so that we don't get triggered into fear or anger, sadness, hurt, shame, guilt, all of these things that, are, that we somehow were told were not appropriate for us to feel. But the truth is, just like if you injured your ankle, right, and you stood up and put your full weight on that injured ankle, you would feel pain. It's a sensation. It's a signal to your brain that says, ow, don't put your full weight on that ankle, right? Fear, anger, sadness, hurt, shame, guilt are a signal from our emotional guidance system that something is going on for you to pay attention to, not to analyze or discount. Or ignore. Or ignore or try to shove aside or try to wish it away on Mm -hmm. I'm going to feel joy instead, right? We always say it like this when it comes to emotions. You can't polish a turd, right? <laughs> if you're feeling a negative emotion, no polish in all the way is ever going to turn that. 
yeah. fear into bliss, well, or that anger is, into joy. It's just not going to happen. Yeah, this is so been... emotional life is something that's so important. And when we're in relationship, this is the place where it gets the most harried because when we're smart, we want to try to leave space for the other person to feel something. And so we think if they have judgment about our feelings, that our feelings are somehow bad or wrong. Mm-hmm. So the space is true. We should have space in a relationship for both people in that partnership to feel their feelings. And so one of the things that Matthew and I do before we go to bed every single night is we connect. I I put my hand on his heart. He puts his hand on my heart. And we just take a few breaths in unison. And we just very simply, one at a time, ask the other, is there anything you need from me right now? Is there anything you need from me right now? (sighs) Just being able to ask. Just being able to ask for what you need. Being able to share how you're feeling with somebody without the threat or fear that they're going to judge you or say you're bad or wrong for having an emotion. Now we're really in a soul partnership. Yeah. I love what you said, and I think in my life at least, and I'm sure there's other people out there that feel this, a lot of the times I feel something and I tell myself, well, I wish I felt a different way or I should be feeling this other way. And it's almost like I'm punishing myself for experiencing an emotion. And uh, I've, I remember points in my life saying, oh, if I were a better person, I wouldn't be feeling this emotion of jealousy. Or if I was, if I, if only I was more righteous, or if only I was a better Christian, I wouldn't be feeling this emotion or that emotion. Or only if I was a better person and just focused on being more happy, I wouldn't feel so sad. And um, it's really interesting to me. One of the quotes that I love, and this is something that I say often to my clients, is that emotions are like waves. You can't stop them from coming, but you choose which ones to ride. And what I would add further to that is don't feel guilty about those emotions that come. It was very validating to hear you say it's okay to experience certain emotions and you shouldn't ignore them. So love this. We're going to take a brief break now when we come back more with world-renowned relationship experts Matthew and Orna Walters joining us today from their office in Santa Monica, California. I'm Allison H. Larson, and you're listening to Spotlight. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Sustainable success is just around the corner. If you are an entrepreneur, business leader, or anybody looking for their next level of success, tune into Sustainable Success with host Chris Salem. Did you know that the path to success is a long path that started many years ago? The path you started on then determines what is happening now. Chris and his amazing guests in their field will help you navigate the path to sustainable success every Thursday at 12 noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Influencers Channel. You have a message. You want to share that message. You want it to be social, to go viral, and spread across the planet. But how do you get started? Tune into Amplify, featuring host Ken Roshan. This show is here to help you take that message and channel it through the most effective marketing techniques to not only be successful, but have a positive impact on the world. 
Tune in live Monday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel and get amplified. If you want to join the ranks of the influencers, you've got to think like an influencer. How about joining one of the top influencers in the world, Leonard Kim, for Grow Your Influence Tree. Leonard and his guests discuss the topics that aspiring influencers need to know, from brand building to getting yourself published and growing your audience. There's a bunch of fun and even some twists involved to keep you on your toes. You just have to listen every Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Influencers Channel. This is the Voice America Influencers Channel. Be inspired. You're tuned in to Spotlight, the Allison H. Larson Show. To find out more about Allison and our program, please visit soulintuition.com. Again, that's soulintuition.com. Now back to Spotlight. Here is Allison H. Larson. Woohoo! I'm so excited to be here today with Matthew and Orna Walters. And I, we were just talking on break about how I just appreciate them um, being able to dive deep with us and to, you know, obviously I'm sharing some personal things here and hopefully uh, everybody that's listening is getting something out of that too. So Matthew and Orna, if there's somebody listening right now that says, hey, I, I've struggled with some things. I want to have better relationships in my life. I want to be able to look at some of those things that have happened to me, some reasons why I might not be comfortable in sharing my emotions, why I'm experiencing codependent relationships, maybe even abusive relationships like you experienced in your life, Orna. How, how can they find out more about you and about what you're talking about today? Well, they can certainly first go to our website, creatingloveonpurpose.com, and there's a free report there that they can download to get some more information. But also, you know, especially for, for women, right, the ones that, you know, we've been talking about with that overdeveloped intellect, if you go to creatingloveonpurpose.com forward slash smart dash women, that's creatingloveonpurpose.com forward slash smart dash women, we have a free video series that goes into this whole idea of how our intellect gets in the way and how to really start looking at that pattern in the subconscious that, that can begin to change the story. And I just want to say for the dudes that are listening, you can listen there too. Your mind works the same way. It's just Matthew and I do market to women, um, but we have definitely worked with men and we've worked with, you know, um, heterosexual people and homosexual people and all kinds of different people. If you're a person with a brain, this will work <laughs> for you, right? You might have to put your pronoun in your brain a little, you know, bit now and again. But um, this video series um, is really short, so you don't have to spend a lot of time there at Smart Dash Women. I think um, it's a three-part video series, and I don't think one of those three videos is even longer than ten minutes. I think maybe the longest is six minutes or something. So, um, again, that link is creatingloveonpurpose.com slash smart dash women. So I want to I want to know uh, something. I want to know how you guys met, and how did you know that you were the right match for each other? Obviously, you're working together. You're working to help people with their relationships. You seem to complement each other very well. I'm sure it's work uh, to make your relationship what it is. But how how did you guys meet, and how did you know you were the one for each other? Wow. Well, there's the short version and the long version. I'm not sure what we well, have we time got about for. Five but minutes. the short version <laughs> is we met in a business networking group, 
and Orna had her business as a manifestation coach, and I had my hypnotherapy practice, mm-hmm. and we had a one-on-one networking breakfast to learn more about each other, about how we can better refer business to each other, and we proceeded to not talk anything about our businesses <laughs> and just really connect very deeply and, and spent like three hours, I think, at that breakfast and then another 45 minutes in the parking lot trying to say goodbye to each other. Mm. So, what, do you, what, Orna, um, what was your experience? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of funny because uh, Matthew and I actually look, you know, you always have that twenty twenty hindsight, right? So there were a couple opportunities where we could have met where we didn't. Um, we both were in Joshua Tree for the Y2K of the year 2000, Ooh. New Year's, and we did the exact same hike on that New Year's Day. Wow. And we imagine we walked past each other at some point and said, hey, you know, like you do when you're on the hiking trail. <laughs> And uh, a friend of mine married a friend of Matthew's, and um, they were facilitating a yoga retreat in Idlewild, California, where Matthew went to the yoga retreat. I was invited but did not go. We could have met there. And at the networking group, we actually attended the same meeting the last Friday of the month, the Westside Breakfast meeting, for over a year and never talked to each other until we did. And I always joke that we just must be really bad networkers. <laughs> well, here, um, you bring up... There, there are actually a lot of people in the room. There were, you know, 70 to 80 people in that room on that last Friday of the month. And both Matthew and I were on what's called a welcoming committee. So we would host our own tables. And so it took us a while to actually connect and speak with each other. Um, I know at that networking breakfast that there was certainly a part of me knew something special was going on, but it felt very different from me because I did have abuse in my childhood. Mm-hmm. Um, you asked, how did you know this was the right person? I would say early in our dating, I had a lot of curiosity about Matthew. I just wanted to know more. I, en- I enjoyed spending time with him. I enjoyed talking with him. He was the only other person I had ever met up until that time who had also left the entertainment industry for personal growth. Mm-hmm. At the time, all my friends in the entertainment industry thought I was having some kind of midlife crisis, early breakdown, <laughs> something. They didn't know when I said I was yeah. going to be a coach. They just didn't even understand what I was saying. <laughs> so, And especially the hand analysis stuff. I mean, a lot of people are like, I don't know what you're doing. Good luck with that. Yeah. And so Matthew and I really connected on this deep, deep level at that breakfast. And I know for me, because, again, you know, I had abuse in my childhood, usually when I felt attracted to somebody, I felt um, I would have sort of obsessive thoughts about them. You know, if Mm -hmm. I'd meet a guy at a party or out in the world that I really liked and had that spark of attraction with, it's like I would obsessively think about him. And that feeling that I had in my body was sort of like a spinning, worrying, not sort of balanced, grounded feeling at all. And um, with Matthew, it was very, very different. You know, I've been asked many times in interviews, how did I know Matthew was the one? And the way that I like to explain it is this, that the feeling I had with Matthew as we dated and spent more and more and more time together, Mm -hmm. it felt like nothing I'd never felt before because I felt like my feet were firmly planted on Mother Earth and I was safe and that I had roots that went deep into the ground and I was grounded and solid and nothing would knock me over. I felt fully supported and grounded. And at the same time, I felt like I had wings and if I desired, I could take flight. And so that feeling for me, uh, that's it. I felt like I had roots and wings. Wow. Well, I I love that description of the feeling. You bring something up that's interesting to me. Um, My my daughter is, is... about the same age that I was when I got engaged and she has a boyfriend and 
I was looking at articles the other day and just stumbled across one. Um, and it was interesting to me. I ended up sending it to her. But it talked about how in relationships, your relationship is more likely to succeed if you have things, a lot of things in common with the person in your relationship. You like to do a lot of the same things. And as you talked about you and Matthew being in these same places at the same time and doing the same kinds of activities and both leaving the entertainment industry, I, I think a lot of times we hear the term opposites attract. But I'm curious what your thoughts are on this. And is that article correct? Is it easier to maintain a relationship with somebody who has obviously has the same interests and thinks the same ways that you do? Or do you think that, that that's a myth? Do you think opposites do attract? Well, I, I think it doesn't hurt that we, you know, you have shared interests with the person you're in a relationship with, because if you're going to spend time together, mm -hmm. you should enjoy doing some of the same things together. But on a deeper level, what's actually we believe is more important to lasting relationship is what we call shared values. Right? When you have shared values, then when struggles hit, because let's, let's be honest, right? relationships don't end because people are happy and things are going well. Relationships end because we hit stumbling blocks. We hit places in life where we struggle, and we have conflict over how we deal with that. Right? We have conflict because the other person doesn't deal with financial stress the same way we deal with financial stress, or the other person doesn't deal with illness the same way we deal with illness. And so we fight and fight and fight over those issues. But when we have shared values, when we know that we've come together for something bigger than just the two of us, it is those shared values which gets us through those conflicts. And um, as a hand analyst, I will say it's way more common for opposites to attract. You know, the heart line in the palm tells me as a hand analyst what it is you require in relationship. And so, um, you know, we call it your non-negotiable need in relationship. The majority of people have one need. It's the same on both hands. But because we have two hands and we're complex as human beings, some people more complex than others, you can have more than one need, right? You can have one on one hand, one on the other. You can have two on one hand and one on the other and have three of the four options available. So... Opposites attract, and I see that in the heart lines most common. I've, read, I've done so many couples' readings when I'm um, doing hand analysis sessions for a couple, right? We look at one person's chart, we look at the other person's chart, and then we look at the overlap. And the heart lines are divided in um, what hand analysis calls you-first heart lines and me-first heart lines. Mm -hmm. And this is where the opposites attract thing really plays out because we're always – sort of frustrated why our partner isn't more like us the deeper we get into the relationship, right? It's like in the early stage, the romance stage, the first stage of relationship, we're like, oh my gosh, this is so exciting. This person is so cool. I love discovering about them. And I, oh my gosh, I just love everything about them. And then the inevitable hangover from the romance stage, the power struggle takes over, right? The second stage of relationship. And in that power struggle, we're thinking to ourselves, you know, we'd get along a lot better if we would just do things my way because, you know, I know how to do these things, mm -hmm. right? And this inevitable power struggle happens to every single relationship. And there's actually three more stages of relationship. I'm going to leave that as a cliffhanger if you want to ask me about that, Allison. Now you know, I can go deeper, <laughs> well, but I want to circle back to yeah. the heart lines, the me first and the mm -hmm. you first. 
And, and Orna, Orna, I'm going to have to we're going to yeah. have to leave that with a cliffhanger as well, because I'm having so much fun on the show. But unfortunately, our time is up. <laughs> so, wow. we, but, but we uh, we heard earlier on in the segment about how to get a hold of you uh, really quickly, just in 10 seconds. Can you tell us one more time? to how, how can people get a hold of you if they're if they're interested in learning about the other stages and more about the heart lines in the hand? Sure. Uh, the best place to go is creatingloveonpurpose.com. We have a free report. We have a blog with over almost 300 articles on it. So they can definitely you know, look for advice there. And also there's a great video series at creatingloveonpurpose.com forward slash smart dash women. Love it. Thank you so much, Matthew and Orna, for being on the show today. I'm Allison H. Larson. Join us next week when we'll have more guests that have transformed their lives and are working now to transform the lives of others. Thank you for making us a part of your week. Spotlight, the Allison H. Larson Show, can be heard live every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Now, go make a difference and be sure to tune in again for the next show.